Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Praise God. I just want to say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Love you, Lord. Thank God. Hallelujah. I was just meditating this morning, just for a little while, on the goodness of God. And that song kept popping up inside of me. Uh, this is uh, by Karen Wheaton. He'll do it again. You know, we, I tried to find it, but we don't, I don't think we have it. But the words are, he'll do it again, he'll do it again. Uh, just take a look at where you are and where you've been. Hasn't he always been there for you? Uh, I, can, I, can, I can sing it, but I can't say it. Anyway, but I, well, I can't sing it really, but anyway. But uh, hasn't he always been there for you? He's the same God today as he's always has been. You may not know where, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you are a God of miracles, that you're a God of healing and signs and wonders, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change, God. We worship you. We glorify your name. We bless you. We live for you, God. We, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pray for my voice. So many times, I tell you, the songs come to me. I'm singing all the time at home, quietly under my breath, but anyway. Thank you. Good to see everybody here this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful day. This is the day that you've made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Where will you be spiritually 10 years from now? 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Will you still be serving God? Will you still be on fire for God? Will you still be in church? Will you still be growing in God? You know, that's something, one of, one of the, that's oh, not a burden, but one of the concerns that God has always put on my heart is to see God's people make it to the end, to stay faithful to God. Because over the years, we've seen so many not, not fall into sin, not turn their backs on God in the sense that they're not saved, but just kind of drop out of fellowship, you know, just kind of fall away a little bit and, and not be in the same place they were when they first got saved. We've seen so many times people get saved and for a few years they come to church, you know, they come to church every Sunday, they're, never, they're always there, they never miss. And then after a few years, they 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 come a little bit less and then they come a little bit less and then you don't see them and you try to draw them back and, and they're just, they're not into gross sin. They've just kind of slipped away. They've drifted. And that to me, I just want, I've, one of the things that's always, God's always put in my heart is to encourage God's people. To, you know, we, we have to stir ourselves up and stay faithful to God in every aspect of our life. You know. The Bible has a lot of warnings about drifting away, about falling away, about uh, get, falling into being ensnared by sin, about missing, on, missing out on God's best through unbelief. 
And, and ultimately, we can even come to that place, I believe the Bible shows us, so we could, we could actually lose our salvation. I'm not saying that everyone who's dropped out of church has lost their salvation, but it can, it can get to that place. We've, I, I know one example, and I don't know a person's heart, but I know there's one uh, person that used to be a very well-known, nationally-known Christian minister who dropped a, who not only divorced his wife, but turned his back on Christianity, renounced his Christianity, said, I don't want nothing. I don't believe in God. I don't want nothing to do with God. I thought, you're, you're foolish. You've been deceived. God help you. In Matthew chapter 24, I just want to share with you for a little while this morning. In Matthew 24, if I can find it, Jesus is talking about the end times. And listen to what he says. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And we've seen that so many times over our own lives. Famines and earthquakes and wars. For the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to to tribulation. And they'll kill you and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because the lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. We're 2,000 years closer to that than we were when that was spoken. Jesus is coming back. I don't know, maybe in my lifetime, I don't think so. I wonder about my grandkids. I wonder when he's coming back. I believe he's, he's coming back soon. You know, when Jesse, God took Jesse to plants to heaven in 1988. You ought, you ought to get that video, Close Encounters of a God Kind. And he was, he was preaching at a church. And uh, after the church, I don't know if I told you this testimony, but after, after the church service, the pastor took him to a restaurant for dinner. For, and uh, it was right across the street from his, mo- from his motel. And they, he, ordered, he said he ordered a steak, and they brought the steak on a sizzling platter. It was, it was like you could hear it. You could hear it crispy, and the, the fumes were wafting up. And he says it just really smelled delicious, looked delicious. And God spoke, spoke to him and said, go back to your hotel room and pray. So he said to the pastor, I said, I got, I've got to leave. I've got to go back to my hotel room and pay. The pastor was, oh, did I do something wrong? You know, did I offend you? Did so, you know, is this dinner not good? He said, no, it's not, it's not you. It's not the dinner. It's not the restaurant. God, I just got to go back and pray. So he said, I went back to my hotel room. I got on my knees, and whew, God took him right out of his body, took him to heaven. Now, why did I say all that? Where's my... Where's my Thank you. I'm glad someone's, 
Well, I use my brain when I can use somebody else's. But in that, in that vision, Jesus said to him, he said, just go back and tell my people I'm coming soon. And he said, Lord, they know that. And he said, and, and Jesus spoke to him very harshly. He said, no, they don't. In other words, they know, but they don't. They're not, they're not living that way. Just go back and tell them I'm coming soon. That was in 1988. I don't know when soon is, but it's soon. But one of the things that God, God has always used that for, since the beginning, in the book of Revelations, he said, I'm coming soon, you know. But it's, it's, a, it's a motivating thing. It's something that we're all supposed to be kind of living uh, ready, ready for his coming, ready for his return. It takes endurance, the Bible says, to make it to the end. In Matthew chapter 7, you know, we've talked about that there's two roads. One is a wide road, a broad road, and there's many on it. And it leads to destruction. That breaks my heart. It's like, God, I wish, I wish, the, bro I wish the broad road with many on it was leading to life, and the narrow road was leading to destruction. But it's not that way. It's, it's the other way. There's few, there's few compared to the, the others who are living for God, who's going to make it into the kingdom. The Christian life is not always easy. There's discouragements that hit us, disappointments, setbacks, pressure to give up, pressure to go back. Knowing God is the greatest experience we'll ever have, and it's worth every, every sacrifice that we have to make. But we've seen too many start and not finish. You know, it's easy to start. It's easy to start school. It's something else to finish. It's easy to start a business. It's something else to finish. You know, I was thinking, in June of 1970, my wife and I arrived at Williams Air Force Base, which is about 30 miles southeast of Phoenix in Arizona, for, for my pilot training. And the first day of that pilot training, they brought, all the, they brought the whole class into an auditorium for like a, a greeting from the base commander. And one of the things they said to us that day, he said, look to your left and look to your right. He says, when, by the time we, in a year from now, pilot training was called the year of 53. It took 53 weeks to finish pilot training. He said, a year from now, one of them will be gone. What they meant was, statistically, 30%, 30, about a third of the class will wash out. They won't make it. And that's what happened to us. We started off with about 150. I think we graduated from my class about 96. Not everybody makes it, now for various reasons, but the Christian life takes endurance. It takes perseverance. You have to make, you have to make a decision. You have to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn my bridges. I'm not turning back. I'm going on with God no matter what. You have to kind of settle it. You have to make that decision in your mind. You know, in Luke chapter 17, in verse 26, I just wanna go there because this is kind of, Luke 17, and verse 26, and, and Jesus, this is Jesus talking about the end times again in Luke's gospel. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were, given, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And it was the same that happened in the days of Lot. 
They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying and they were selling. They were planting and they were building. But on, that, on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be. On, on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who is in the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down and take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. And then he says these very, uh, very important words. I was, looking, I was looking for a word. I said, God, how can I, I want to describe this. These three words. And I was thinking poignant, but poignant's not the right word. Salient, I think. Very important words. And there's three important words. What does he say? Remember Lot's wife. This warning from Jesus concerning the end times that we're supposed to remember Lot's wife. What is it about Lot's wife that, that, that teaches us? Well, it comes from the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So in Genesis chapter 18, In Genesis chapter 18, God comes, God comes to Abraham with two others, God and two angels. They appear as men, and they come to Abraham. He promises Abraham a son. Then he says this in Genesis 18. He says, this is what God says to him. Shall I hide? Verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and a mighty nation. And in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And the Lord said the outcry, this is the, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to, the, to its outcry which has come to me. And if not, I will know. The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah was so tremendous that God had to, I mean God knew, but he had to come down and see it for himself. In the realm, of the, you have to, we have to understand something. In the realm of the spirit, sin cries out for judgment. Remember what it said in Genesis chapter 4 when God came and said to, said to Cain, where's your brother? And what did Cain say to God? He said, I don't know, what, what am I, my brother's keeper? I thought, the, the, uh, the height of arrogance is getting, is getting smart mouth with God. God comes and says, where's your brother? He says, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? What did, what did God say? Your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. You see, in the, we don't see it. You can't see it with your eyes. But in the realm of the spirit, sin cries out for judgment. And God, because God is merciful and God is gracious and compassionate, he doesn't always judge instantly. And that's why some people can live in sin for a period of time. And God seems to do nothing. God seems to not care. He's giving us time to repent, to change. And then, but eventually judgment will come from God. You know, there's another scripture in Second Chronicles where <clears throat> the nation of, you know, the Israel was, was in two nations. It was the Israel, the northern tribes, and Judah, the southern tribes. And they were at war. And this, and this uh, king of Israel named Pekah 
the son of Remaliah. He came and he waged war with Judah, and he, and he destroyed him. He killed 120,000. He took 200,000 prisoners. And a prophet came to him and said, you've got to turn these prisoners loose. But he, but he talked to me. He said, you've slain them with a rage that has reached to heaven. In other words, God, you, you've, been so, you've been so wild and angry in your rage against these people that it went all the way to heaven. But it's not just the negative. It's the, it, it works also in the positive. Just like sin cries out for judgment, blessings, when, we, when we're kind, when we're generous, when we're, when we're godly, when we do what God wants us to do, it cries out for blessings. You remember in, in Acts chapter 10, when the angel came to Cornelius, remember what he said? He said, your arms, your prayers in your arms of what? Has, have ascended as a memorial before God. So you, you, can't, you can't do good and, and give, give what belongs to God and act like, and live for God and not, ha- and not have God bless you. So the same way that sin cries out for judgment, walking in righteousness, walking in the things of God cries out for blessings. And God will bless you for doing that. But Sodom and Gomorrah's sin cried out for judgment. And God was coming to judge. It was over. So the two angels go down to, God stayed with Abraham. And the two angels go down to Sodom. And they, go, they ended up in Lot's house. And that night, bands of homosexuals came to violate him. And the angels struck him blind. And they said, you have to leave. You've you got to get out of here. God is going to destroy this city. And it says, and when he had brought them outside, listen, this is to me, there's some things in the Bible, I shake, I shake my head, I really do. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. When morning dawned, it says, the angels urged Lot, saying, take up your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. I mean, I feel, Lot, what is your problem? Two angels come and say, God's going to judge, he's going to rain down fire and brimstone on your city, and you need to leave, and, and, and he's, having to, he's having to literally take you by the hand and say, come on, what are, you, what are you waiting for? What are you hesitating? What is your problem? Get out, I, you know, I'd, be, I'd be moving. Escape, he said, when he, when he brought them outside, one said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said, oh, no, and he started making excuses. But in that, in the directions, what did he say? He said, escape for your lives. Do not look behind you. Do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains as you'll be swept away. You know, what I, he didn't, he didn't make a, he didn't make a, uh, a real point of it. He didn't say, don't, don't look back. Remember, I'm telling you, don't look back. Um, uh, he didn't make a point of that. He just kind of threw it in there. Don't turn around. Don't look back. What happened? When they left, Lot's wife was behind him. And what did she do? She turned around, she looked back. She turned into a pillar of salt. Now, Lot never, Lot never turned around to see what happened to his wife. He just kept going. We don't know much about Lot's wife. We don't know her name. All we know is what happened to her. She looked back. And why was that such a grave thing? Because looking back, says, I wish I was back there. I want the old life. It shows where your heart is, and it cost her her life. You know, if we're going to go on with God, you can't look back. 
problem is sometimes when people make a decision to live for God or to get born again, they never consciously make that decision to not look back. It's like sometimes people will have the attitude, well, I'll try it. I'll try this Christianity. If it doesn't work for me, I'll go back. It's the worst decision you could ever make. It's the worst attitude you could ever have. She looked back to what God said to walk away from. And Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. Sometimes we have to walk away from some things. Sometimes you have to leave the old, old friends, old places, old ways of doing things, old lives. Sometimes in order to walk with God, you have to separate yourself from your past. You know, I was thinking, you got to, I was thinking of that song with the gambler. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Come on. You got to know when to walk away. You got to know when to run. Sometimes we have to walk away from some things. Sometimes you have to run away from some things in order to live for God. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, forgetting those things that lie behind, I press on toward the goal of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 10, the, Apostle, the writer of Hebrews is talking about perseverance and endurance. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who comes to me will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So there's a warning, another warning from God. We have to be careful. We don't shrink back. We have to persevere. We have to endure. But, we, but, but then he kind of confidently says this. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction but of those who have faith for the persevering of the soul. So we, we are, we're not shrinking back, we're pressing on. We're living for God. We're being the people that God's called us to be. That was the problem with the, with the Israelites. In Numbers, in Numbers chapter 11, it's like they, every time something happened in the wilderness that, did, that they, they, get, they get their eyes back on Egypt, they said, oh, we, we remember. Remember the fish, remember the cucumbers, remember the leeks, the garlic. And they, they wanted to go back. But there was nothing back there for them but slavery. They kind of forgot that a few months earlier they were crying out to God for deliverance. And God delivered them. But now when it gets hard, they want to go back. Don't ever, you can't go back. You can never go back. You've got to press on with God. Live for him. Keep going. And don't let the enemy turn you away. If we look back, the Bible says we're not fit for the kingdom. In Second Peter, chapter 2, he's talking about the ungodly and the unrighteous. For, and he says this in verse 20. For if, they, for if they, the ungodly and the unrighteous, if they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed, to, handed on to them. So I believe this is one of several scriptures in the Bible that talks about the fact that you can actually walk away from God and lose your salvation. For it would, he said it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. 
as it, has re as it happened to them according to a true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit, and a slough after washing returns to wallow in the mire. Jesus said, in the end times, there's going to be a great falling away. We read that in Matthew 24. In 2 in second Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, there's going to be a great, there's going to be an apostasy, a great falling away in the end times. So we have to be careful. The devil will throw everything at us to try to get us to, to turn our back, to just fall away, to not be the people that God's called us to be. I remember listening to a tape by Kenneth Copeland oh, a long time ago, probably 40 years ago now. I forget the message, but I remember he was talking about living for God and not falling away. And he said, and never forget what he said, better men than me have fallen. Better men than me have fallen. And we've known many over the years. I've known of many. We've known some and we've known of people that fell away from God. Ministers that walked away from God, walked away from their call. I tell you, it, it's a battle to stay faithful to God. But we can if we, if we just make that decision. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to make up my no matter how long the journey, no matter how difficult, no matter how many unanswered questions I might have, no matter how many things I don't understand, or right? well, how many things I can't explain, you know, no matter how many questions I might have, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to turn around. I'm not going to stop serving God. I want to serve him with all my life. I'll always remember Lot's wife. I'm never going to look back. I want to keep going on. I was thinking of that song. I've decided to follow. Why do I, God, I don't know why God keeps giving me songs when I can't sing. But I was thinking of that hymn, that old hymn. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And that's what I pray that for every one of us. I pray that for my family almost every single day. I pray for my grandchildren. I say, God, I thank you for leading them and guiding them into all the truth of their lives. I thank you, Lord, that every one of them will serve you all the days of their life. They'll not turn back. They'll serve you. They'll not turn their backs on you ever. They'll walk in, their, in your way. They'll find their destiny and their anointing on their life. I thank you, Lord, for my, my, our sons and our daughters and their wives and husbands. Lord, I thank you that they'll serve you all the days of their life. That of all you've given us, Lord, we'll not, we'll not lose one, but every one of them will continue to love you and to serve you. In Jesus' name, I pray it and I believe it. I pray for them to stay faithful to God. I pray for everyone in the church to stay faithful to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, I got it. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. When the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God led them to Sinai, and he gave them the law. And then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation died. And Moses gave them the law a second time. That's what Deut Deuteronomy is, the second giving of the law. And it says this, no, Moses was near the end of his life, and he was, giving, and he was concluding his, his teaching. And he says this in verse 30. See, I've, this, this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord God may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, 
but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God and by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So he, he said, you, don't, you, I'll give you, I set before you life and death, the blessing and the cursing. So choose life. Choose life. Choose to walk with God. Choose to follow him, and he'll bless you. And a generation later, when Joshua was near the end of his life, he spoke something very similar to the children of Israel again, trying to encourage them to serve God. And this is what Joshua said near the end of his life. He said to the children of Israel, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which are beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. And I've said it for my, this, that's my confession. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray that it's your confession too. Make that decision. I'm burning every bridge behind me. There's no way back. I've only got one place to go, and that's forward in God. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Father, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice, everyone who hears this word, that they'll be encouraged, Lord, to go on with you, to serve you all the days of their life, to never go back, to never back, to never look behind, to their heart would always be looking forward and serving you. They'd stay on fire for you. They'd stay true to you, Lord, and faithful to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.